episode of the Boston Header Podcast. I am Chris, a.k.a. Not the Fake Webby, and I am joined, as always, by Jake, a.k.a. Halbertius, a.k.a. Hal. It's good to be back. Uh, it's going to be Marvin Bagley Day today. I don't think we need to it beat is. around the bush. We promised it when we did our giant uh, uh, deadline day diaries, <laughs> which I apologize that they didn't come out right away. I don't know if you noticed it, but, like, they just sat in uh, draft mode instead of publishing for some reason. I don't know if like I closed my browser before they finished publishing or something, but that was annoying. I came back like three days later. I was like, these haven't shown up on my podcast feed yet. What happened? And they just <laughs> never left. So y'all got them like three days late. I'm sorry. Uh, my bad. But uh, it doesn't matter because everybody wanted to hear about Bagley today. And we'll do a prospect of the week at the end of this one. Hopefully this one won't take quite as long. <laughs> Yep. So to get in, go through quick with the news. Uh, starting off since we talked last, the Pistons uh, had a home game against the Hornets where they got blown out. We don't talk about uh, that Frank, game. <laughs> Frank Jackson. I feel like we have never played well against the Hornets. The Hornets have. I think that's by far the best whistle the in record. the league. It's it's <laughs> ridiculous. Like the shit they get away with. Uh, it doesn't matter what players they have. Like when they were uh, coached by. Uh, Oh, God damn it. Nope, um, not a clue. Don't don't even ask. I'm not trying. Skiles? White dude number seven. It was Scott Skiles, Skiles right? Skiles didn't code. No. Scott, did he? I don't think Skiles coached there. Uh, no. Uh, Clifford. Like a name Clifford. brand white dude. Clifford. There you go. When they were coached, I'm like, this is when they were coached <laughs> by Clifford, they the were like the brand grimy, Scott Skiles. They were the grimiest, uh, um, like, beat you down ugly team that just like racked up free throws but like they just get crazy whistles and they've always been a team uh, and i don't think the whistles were like that imbalanced this time but it was just like holy shit the officiating in that game was terrible uh and they were always a team that like we'd go into a hornets game and come out with like a negative 30 free throw differential and it would just be like how the fuck do you do that uh, but anyway, to the, uh, to the Hornets of all teams, it, the the Pistons just like there's they do some stuff schematically defensively that's like stupid. Uh, the soft switching is just unacceptable, and it keeps happening. And the Hornets just picked them apart. Uh, it was ugly. Nobody played well. It was ugly. The end. Yep, I did not watch that game, nor did I feel like going back to watch it again. Or to watch it at all. So the only thing that I had to note was that Frank Jackson left with the back injury, has not come back, which I wouldn't be surprised about with it being the All Star break. I haven't seen any specific word. I could barely figure out why he didn't play the last two games. Um, so I don't know if it's. I would take a gander. He'd probably be back after the All Star break. But he has I don't a have any bilateral lumbar strain. Sounds painful. Means both sides of his back hurt. <laughs> both sides. <laughs> Not just one side, both sides. Bilateral. Both side back hurt. Alright, moving on to the next game. The Pistons played here in DC against the Wizards. Lost a close game. Wizards kind of pulled away at the end. Uh, the thing to note there was that was the Marvin Bagley debut game. So you got a chance to watch this one. I know I know it was Valentine's Day, right? So you had responsibilities, you freaking weirdo. Uh, I know you watched this one on replay. Was it more interesting on replay, or I I, I don't know. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I am I am a Pistons fan first and a Wizards fan second, and this game bored the hell out of me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this was not a good game, and I didn't I didn't think 
Uh, they did certain people any favors. We'll talk about Marvin Bagley uh, in depth here in a minute. But uh, I had yep. some big beef with, with how certain things happen in this game, and we'll get into it later. Yep. I mean, my summary of it was uh, Kyle Kuzma's good. KCP is a decent role player. Stuff we already knew. Stuff I've known all year. So, <laughs> yeah. Lots of young guys played in this one, though. We had a lot of Denny, a lot of Kispert. So, I was happy about that from a Wizards perspective. Uh, moving on. Last game. Uh, was This was last night, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we're recording this uh, on Thursday. Pistons. Yes. For anyone that didn't realize that. Uh, the Pistons played at the Celtics and won in a brilliant fashion at the end. 112 to 111. Very back and forth game. We were kind of hung with them the entire time. The Celtics had played the night before against the 76ers and obliterated them. So I think they were a little, you know, exhausted and ready to get into the break. But regardless, still a good Pistons win. Very fun to watch. Really like the end. Yeah, this one wasn't a. Like, I didn't come away from this even remotely being like, wow, the Pistons were awesome today. It just kind of felt like the Celtics sucked, which is nice yeah. because, like, they were, uh, like, by far the hottest team coming in. That's what everybody said. Um, I always find that to be a little ridiculous when people say that. But, um, you know, they didn't get great games out of... Uh, well, I take it back. You know, they got 22 out of Tatum and they got 31 out of Jalen Brown, both on 50%-ish mm-hmm. efficiencies. And I guess it just didn't feel like that live. Uh, Derek White did not have a good game, but... Interesting. I my first impressions were not this. Um, yeah, they actually was, shot over fifty I percent mean, from the field and forty yeah. percent from I mean, three. A, <laughs> Interesting. I don't think it was. It wasn't necessarily the Celtics. I think were having an off game. Like Grant Williams went berserk from three. I think him and Horford had like five or six in the fourth. Um, well, and that's I mean, that's the switching I crap think, that we have to cut. It just has to stop. Yeah. I think the main difference was kind of on the offensive glass where the Pistons got a lot of second chance looks, whereas Holy crap. the Celtics were exhausted and didn't want to play, didn't want to like go for that rebound kind of thing. So Yeah, uh, 18 offensive boards to two. <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> Defensive boards were almost even, Damn. and it's 18 to two on the offensive glass. Yeah, that makes sense. That's no Andre but, Drummond. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm just now looking at the stats. I was pretty focused on Bagley's usage. I wasn't paying a lot of attention to like the game at large. Uh, the Pistons took 93 shots to Boston's 77. Holy crap. <laughs> okay, that explains how you get a one-point win, even though uh, they shot 55% from the field and 41% from three. Uh, Detroit also shot 53% from three. That was a very good, uh, uh, Sadiq Bay was just absolutely on fire. Sadiq Bay has a thing about Boston. Yep, Sadiq. Uh, I, I remember last year, Boston was another one of the games where he just like absolutely went off. I think, did he do the rookie record at Boston? I think so. I think, yeah. I think he set the Pistons record at Boston with like another like five of eight game, uh, yeah, he he, because it was also very funny that like all the Boston sports media people were like, "Wow, Sadiq Bay is really good." Like the uh, that was like immediately when the um, the Aaron Naismith uh, slander started. <laughs> it was like, "Oh, wow, Aaron Naismith was a terrible pick. You could have had Sadiq Bay." I was like, "Okay, well, I liked Aaron Naismith a lot in the draft. Personally, I, I think it's kind of crazy that he hasn't been 
that useful. So, yeah, looking, uh, for the record, Aaron A. Smith plus 11. Everyone else, mostly negative. So maybe I was right after all. Looking at Sadiq's career, career splits, it looks like the Celtics, while having a pretty good... As I think he's at the second best looking through the shooting percentage. Or no, he's, I think he's got his best shooting percentage um, against the Celtics. He does not go off on them nearly as much as he's gone off on the Timberwolves. Hmm. Who's averaged 22 against, and the Kings, who's averaged 21.8. Ah, so just uh, the bad 18. teams. 18.8 against Boston. The, the, the yeah. Wolves he are likes... actually <laughs> decent now, but last year, not so much. Exactly, yeah. So, um, yeah, this was the Pistons snapped their eight-game eight losing streak, the Celtics, uh, and they also broke the Celtics' nine-game winning streak they had going into this game. So Yeah, this uh, I, much... I've obviously been very vocal about, you know, you need to lose certain games because losing is important right now. Um shockingly somehow the pistons are still uh a loss or two behind orlando for the tankathon standings uh it's amazing that orlando is this bad uh it has we can roll right into that if you want because i have it all right here the pistons are even now with the magic and wins whatever you want to i mean good uh they do still have two games in hand stealing a soccer term there um they are two games ahead of the rockets and five ahead of the thunder so, yeah, we'll talk more about the Thunder later. So I have a nice little tidbit. With oh, me. you do. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like Orlando has been the better team this season. Um, like actually, pretty handily yeah. as far as I'm concerned, they've been the better team. Uh, Detroit now definitely amazing. has the. Uh, yeah, he's. I love Franz. Uh, you know this. Uh, they now have Pistons. Now have the worst. The news is that I like Franz. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little shocking. Uh, the Pistons now have the worst margin of victory of anyone in the league, and it's the 16th worst margin of victory that uh, Basketball Reference has on record. Uh, that's not pace-adjusted <laughs> or anything, but, like, that's really bad. Um, not good. That not was good. before <laughs> the Boston win, which will help a lot, but they were losing games by double digits, which is a mark they hadn't hit uh, in quite a while. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it's bad. It's very bad. Uh, I still have a lot of like. There, there. Last year, we were all very excited because like the Pistons were the. They ended up what second worst team, but like very much were a good team. And last year's margin of yeah. victory was they had a lot of close like games. four and a half points, negative four and a half. So they lost by less than five points. And this year they're losing by over ten. So like just some perspective on why you know I think a lot of people are feeling the frustration this season. And, like, yes, it's justified. The stats back it up. This is definitely a worse team. And there's some low-hanging fruit that they can't seem to pluck, which is annoying. But let's get into some more fun stuff and not not me moaning. Well, real quick. Um, so, obviously, right now, the NBA is taking its little week-long hiatus for the All-Star break. Everyone gets a nice week off. Um, we return on Thursday, home against the Cavs, and Saturday against the Celtics before going on a road trip to... Charlotte, D.C., then Toronto. It's very aesthetically pleasing. Just up the East Coast and then back to Detroit. You just, uh, we're just going to roll past the fact that you said hiatus, right? <laughs> hiatus. Where? Hiatus. Hiatus. You said, you just said a hiatus. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm trying to like process what the hell a hiatus <laughs> I is. I don't even know. <laughs> it took me a second. I was like, uh, it, it, the context got me there, but I was just like a, they 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 hate us because they ain't us. Like where 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 are we at here? See that part wasn't on the script. I didn't write down hate. That, and I that'll be what does just, it. My brain was just rolling through the, the next things I had to say. 
<laughs> like, I know how to say You're good for at least one of these a pod, right? I just have to like be like, what? You good? You good? You good? You're not good. <laughs> okay. Uh, I didn't even notice that. I didn't have a clue as of that. <laughs> Obviously. All right. Okay. Uh, you got you got something going on here in the scene category. Let's go talk about it. All right. So it's Marvin Bagley time. Uh, we promised people we'd we'd kind of hold off on talking about him until we got a pair of games. Um, obviously, we're we're heading into the break, so mm-hmm. um, it'll be about a week now, right? They come back next Thursday, yeah. so it'll be a week next before they week. play again. But we've seen two games of Marvin Bagley. Uh, I want to start off real quick with something. Um, because I'm not sure it was made clear to a lot of people. They, uh, they, uh, Keith Smith, uh, who is a, a cap guru, one of the guys that's behind uh, Spotrack, um, and and really knows this stuff, went on the the Motor City Hoops pod, and I think it's it's important to repeat what he said, um, which is that because Bagley is a first round pick, right? He has a really big in a in a high first round pick, right? Uh, number two, he has mm-hmm. a very big cap hold because they expect you. Uh, to want to sign top, you know, five picks to basically max deals. You know, you're you're expected to basically extend them, or sign them for a max deal. And his max deal would be, uh, uh, like it's it's over twenty million. Um, it, it is twenty eight million two hundred and eight two hundred and eighty thousand two hundred and eighty four dollars is the cap hold so for and for people who don't know right a cap hold is a fake contract that is on the books until you sign a contract and basically it prevents you from letting everybody go into free agency you sign a bunch of people and then use bird rights to bring everybody back if you could do that with like Mm -hmm. all of your people uh you would just like sign you'd everybody would have max cap space in the offseason you just structure it a little bit and everyone would be able to buy anything so cap holds prevent that they kind of protect teams and, and all that. Um, well, I should say protect the league from, from predatory teams, maybe is the better way to put it. Uh, the point is, his cap hold is so obscene that you can't do what you normally do with a lot of rookies, which is you wait uh, for them to get into free agency. Uh, they have a cap hold of $8 million or something. You want to sign them 20 so you let the cap hold sit, you sign your other contracts, and then you finish them off. Bagley's going to have to be dealt with first. And there's two ways to do it. They either sign mm-hmm. him to the qualifying offer, uh, he becomes a restricted free agent, uh, his cap hold takes effect at that point, and, um, and then they can either sign him to a contract or he can sign the qualifying offer. Or someone else can bid on his services and he can sign that deal. Um, or they can renounce his rights. Uh and and that renounces his his um, his cap hold as well. Now you covered the the qualifying offer a bit um, uh, mm-hmm. uh, last pod, so he has to play two thousand minutes or start forty one games this year. The starts are probably off the table. The two thousand minutes are actually averaged between the last two seasons, uh, so I think there is a oh, slight possibility he can get there, but it's still pretty rough. Uh, it's pretty li- unlikely he gets to it. But that takes his qualifying offer from the $14, $15 million range to whatever, basically, I think it's the 15th pick in the first round is, uh, is what sets the bar for the lower mark, and that's in the 7-ish range. Uh, either, so for the, real quick, yeah. for the 2,000 minutes, is it, so it's an average between last season and this season? Correct. Or is it total between the two? Correct. Well, he played 1,100 minutes last year, so I don't. Oh, 
Well, yeah, then he's That's way off. extremely unlikely. So it's very unlikely. Um, so the point is, uh, even if, uh, even if he got it, fourteen million isn't insane. Just like as a cap hold for the time being, but he probably signs a fourteen million dollar qualifying offer. Uh, and just like takes that, uh, for people who don't know, that means basically he gets a one-year contract to that money. Pistons fans should be well aware of that after the Greg Monroe. Yeah. Uh, they didn't actually miss out on much there. Um, no, but that makes it hey, still in the league. Sort of. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, he's on the box. I, I mean, he was a good <laughs> NBA player, but they wouldn't like, if they'd actually paid him what, what they probably would have had to pay him, it would have been a mistake. Uh, and like, yeah. I kind of thought the Drummond-Monroe always... thing would work. It did not. Um, I would always say Moose was 10 years too late. He would oh, have dominated and, and the year. And I, I think he was underrated at his NBA peak anyways. Yeah. Um, he has a lot of talent, but he just he can't shoot and can't move. <laughs> Those are kind of important nowadays. Well, and I don't think we were clever enough uh, at hiding that. We're a lot better now at actually, I think, hiding slow-footed big men, which is interesting because people are like even more resistant to like playing them now. But I think we've mm-hmm. picked up the tricks to, to get 15 minutes out of that guy if you need it. Um, Enough with the slow-moving, Bigman. Let's go back to the fast-moving well, ones. Well, so real quick to about Bagley's qualifying offer. Even if he gets down to the 7 million one, I kind of have a feeling that they just declined to give it to him. Uh, a $7 million hold is still a lot. Uh, I think for Bagley, unless somebody goes absolutely insane and offers him $10-plus million a year, I think... Like, he's going to look at the Pistons, you know, uh, having a little faith in him, right? And, and like, trying to provide a better environment. And if they offer him a a 3 for 20 deal, something like that, like, I I would assume that even as a free agent, he probably takes that. Um, Like, I, I don't see him, I don't see the Pistons, A, getting outbid unless he plays really terribly in the next couple weeks. And B... I don't see him running away to another situation for a little more money when Detroit, like, is saying we want you, in a way. Um, unless the relationship goes real bad in the next couple of weeks. I just think, like, if you're someone like Bagley and you've been treated wrong, it, certainly you feel like you've been treated wrong by Sacramento. Uh, being in a, in a place that likes you is going to give you a pretty good... Uh, it's going to give the Pistons a pretty good amount of leverage, uh, even if they don't have the qualifying offer hanging over his head. So... Let's get that. We got that out of the way. Um, we can talk about the player now. Uh, what what have you seen? What are your first impressions of Marvin Bagley? So I will say real quick. Um, I don't think I think the Pistons are definitely the favorite to reassign him, just because you know the situation works out good. We're trying to be a young team. We don't have a whole lot around, so he's got a lot of opportunity to kind of showcase the skills and everything. Um, and obviously, the Pistons showed their interest by trading for him. And I don't think that's going to change too drastically unless he does have just a terrible end of the season here. The one exception I would say in terms of just assuming that we can re-sign him is that with players who I believe, in my opinion, players that are talented like him and that are big men, they have already seen with uh, you know big men that have come before him, unless you're an all-NBA type of player, getting those contracts is coming harder and harder to find. And something that wouldn't surprise me is if if he does, if the Pistons don't extend a qualifying offer or to like avoid that cap hit and just have him as a regular free agent, 
I could still see him going or seeing a, a top team like, say, the Nets. Say, eh, we'll take a gamble. Why don't we sign you to a, oh, he's, you know, a buy-in and we'll accept he's, or something he's, like that. He's taking the money. I, I don't I – yeah, I, sure. I highly doubt uh, – like you, you're right there that like teams like that might make a gamble just because like he could like especially for someone like the Nets like he could add a level of dynamism they don't have even if he's not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing is, he'll be able to do that in five years too. I mean, yeah. Like this is this is going to be the only chance he gets, uh, unless he like well I, like I could see him also saying, look, if I sign a one year you know buy no exception or whatever uh, small contract. And go to a top team like the Nets, like, say, the Warriors, and try and build my value that way when I'm not playing for the Kings or the Pistons, who are both... But is, is know, it actually a good look if he if you go to the Nets, uh, you, you're not getting even a biannual, I don't think. What, what is a biannual now? Is that $8 million, $6 million? $4 million, I think. So you might get four. I could I could buy four. Yeah. But, like, you go, you go there... Uh, you play 600 minutes throughout the season. You're clearly benched in the playoffs because obviously, like, defense is not his strong suit. Uh, like, is that in any? You're looking at like a rational person, not like someone who was drafted number two overall. In things, so, I'm gonna so you... do great. I just need the spotlight. Yeah, but he's not gonna get a spotlight. How is that spotlight gonna he's be? He's not gonna get a spotlight, how... but he's gonna be on the biggest stage. No, and how he... is that spotlight? He thinks he'll than... have a chance to play. No, I. I I don't I don't think that at all. I think being you know Detroit is probably going to offer him real money. Uh, if that if that's the case, then yeah. If, if we like, I I expect I said, him to be offered like, uh, six to eight million dollars a year, at least. Yeah, I would not be I would I, I would not be shocked if he got ten a year. Uh, it would not be something I support uh, unless he really balls out and shows that he like you know and unless it's clear that Sacramento was the problem. Um, I would not be shocked if he got ten million a year, but like, he is not yeah. gonna like he's gonna get more than double. I would say from Detroit than he gets from any contender. Yeah, personally, I think if for us to resign him, and I still haven't had a chance to deep dive into the stuff like the the non-paying mid-level exception is currently at ten mil, and I would expect him to get close to that. Would be my guess. I would put him in the eight to ten, maybe a little bit more if he does have a good end of the season. Uh, which I think that number probably keeps him out of the biannual exception or other cheap rookie or cheap deal to go towards. Like I would, I would maybe, I would, if you don't offer him close to that, I could see him being like, I can make 6 million on the Pistons or I can make 4 million on the Nets in maybe win a title. And well, and I think what Detroit has to offer him is they can do something like, we'll give you three for 20 ish, you know, give you somewhere in the 7 million a year range. Uh, but maybe we make the third year player option. So if yeah. you're, you know, you ball out, you can, you can, uh, um, you know, you can, you Perfect. can close it out and you can get your next contract quicker. Um, I also haven't checked his seniority and where it falls when it comes to like the max deals, but like, who knows? I hate all that. <laughs> uh, you know, there's some leverage there. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be lined up for that. <laughs> um, anyway, whenever let, he jumps to the next level let, max, but... let's get to the player itself. Uh, what have you seen yep. from Marvin Bagley? Uh, two games, uh, a couple dozen highlights. What what are what's your first impressions on Marvin Bagley? Yep. So for me, watching the two games of Marvin Bagley, he is, I feel like exactly as advertised. Yeah. I am, 
very whelmed with what I got, <laughs> what I've seen so far. He is, and I don't let me don't take this as I don't like what Marvin Bagley brings, like his potential. I think I still think he brings a lot to the floor that we really don't have in many big men. Like, <laughs> like right now the competition is him and Stu for that like big man of the future. And we've seen a lot of him playing at the four. We've seen him playing at the five. Personally, I think for him to succeed in the NBA, he's got to be a five. He doesn't have quite enough floor spacing or gravity to play the four in today's NBA. And he probably has the athleticism to hang with just about anyone. Uh, he's not exactly a, a stellar defensive player either. Um, so what I've seen so far is I like a lot of the athleticism he brings. You know, he looks like a good NBA player. You sit there and you watch him on the floor, you see him get a rebound uh, or, you know, go in the post and you're like, yeah, I see the skills, I see the talent. Uh, but at the same time, it also brings some pretty big headaches. We saw, I think it was against the Celtics, where he just got like lulled into this, uh, you know, post up and turned around and just threw the ball to no one um, out of the center of the, the key. So, I think there is a lot of bad habits to correct, and I think the main thing is this is why Dwayne Case is the coach, because he worked magic with Christian Wood, and I think the hope is that you can do a similar thing with Marvin Bagley. I'm not, I think we've, we've said many times that we're not the biggest fans of Dwayne Case and what he brings to the Pistons at the moment, but this is what his reputation is, and if I think, I think if he can reclamate Bagley here over the next... That's not a word. (laughs) Reclamate? No. Reclamation project? Closer. Reclaim is... That's definitely a word. Reclaim is the word you're like... That's the word that means what you think you're saying. If he can help fix Marvin Bagley (laughs) over the rest of the season and going into the office... Monosyllabic! Let's go! (laughs) So quick! Get over this. I, I hold that that is still the word. I'm going to look it up when you're talking. Let's go. But Let's go. We'll look it up right now. Reclamate. I, th- I think a lot of this depends on if Marvin Bagley, if he buys into what Dwayne Casey is preaching, and if he can turn over a new leaf, then I am very excited to see what kind of contract we get him on in the offseason and his future with the Pistons. If he looks checked out and kind of like he did a little bit in Sacramento, then... It's gonna not be a fun time, and we might give him an offer that we regret. So, that is my very long-winded first impression of him as Piston. Yeah, I, he's the jumpy jump guy, right? Like that's that's the 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 very superficial but like very obvious thing. And even you know, I I said this, I I tweeted this, and a couple of people took it the wrong way. But like, even though Marvin Bagley hasn't been good yet. And that's not because he can't be good or won't be good, but, like, he's on his first two games with the new team. Like, he's not supposed to be objectively good yet. And in spite of that, he still has, like, totally transformed the team because it's obvious, like, what he does. Uh, There were multiple plays they ran. They executed the play wrong, but Marvin Bagley (laughs) rolled to the rim and it drew a help defender that wasn't supposed to, like, help because he has vertical gravity. Mm-hmm. It, like, we can, we can talk about the defense all day. It's not good. 
you know, we can talk about the offense and like he only finishes with his left hand. Uh, he doesn't shoot very well. Yada yada yada. Marvin Bagley. Yeah, can I remember jump. during the broadcast they were talking about. Oh, he's left-handed. He can. <laughs> it'll be tricky for the defense because he can. He can shoot from the left hand. I'm like, that's all he can do. Yeah. He can't shoot from the right. Mind you, like <laughs> that's the he problem. still shoots like seventy percent at the rim. Like he still is an obscene finisher when he gets to the rim. Uh, but there is some stuff like he can only drive certain ways because like he's more left-handed than Killian Hayes is. It's not close. Uh, mm -hmm. And and he can't shoot and all this stuff. But, like, Marvin Bagley can jump out of the gym. <laughs> and we've already seen, yeah. <laughs> like, four... He is a pogo stick. We've seen, like, four separate plays already where the Pistons just, like, whip it at the backboard near Marvin Bagley and he's drawn a foul or they've had a turnover. But, like, the point isn't what happened at the end of the play. The point is teammates trust him to throw the ball... In his general vicinity. <laughs> Isaiah Stewart's not getting that, right? The, the guys do not trust Isaiah Stewart to go up for lobs. Killian and Cade have tried it a bajillion times. They're just done with it. If he's not wide open rolling to the rim, they do not give him the ball on a lob. They rarely give it to him in a, in a pocket pass. Uh, Marvin Bagley mm -hmm. currently has the benefit of literally all of the doubts. <laughs> it does not matter if you have a little bit of doubt or a lot of doubt. They'll throw it to Marvin Bagley. It's They're not... They don't care. Um... That may end up biting them in the ass a couple times. It may not be the best plan, but, like, it's a plan they haven't had. <laughs> like, there's been no option It's a new toy. Uh, so, it's, it's you know, the, the uh, it, it's just, it's obvious, right, that he's good. It's obvious that you can throw it to him on the block, and he will find something. It's obvious that, like, hey, he can fix some of your major rebounding problems. We talked earlier about uh, the, the fact that, they had, like, a bajillion offensive rebounds against the Celtics. Uh, I didn't even look. I bet Marvin Bagley had, like, six of them. Let's find out. I still have the box score open. Marvin Bagley. I still have it in... Uh, offensive... Two! Two. God damn. Ha! I won. Sadiq <laughs> I Bay won with five. Um, yeah, I'm now, like, really curious Jeez. about, like, when they happened. Because I'm, I'm willing to bet that Marvin Bagley is on the floor when most of them happened. Because um, he's just, like, he demands attention down there it's it's just mm -hmm. what he does um i know he had a big putback dunk uh and like rest in peace to grant williams it's just <laughs> a little moment of silence he, he showed back up at the end when he was just draining threes so i'm not hey look, <laughs> he's not dead yet ghosts can have an effect on the material world apparently but like he did <laughs> <laughs> That man, he went up for the block too. Like, give him, give Grant Williams some credit. He went up yep. for, he tried, he got punched through that rim. Uh, it was not close. And that's the that's the the other takeaway, right? Is it's not just oh we're gonna throw it down to Marvin Bagley. It's here's a contested lob, and he's gonna put it in. And that like we haven't even really seen the guys like structure lobs yet. We haven't seen the high pick and roll where they get the tags set up correctly and Marvin gets a free we haven't really seen that uh, mm -hmm. we've mostly just seen like Marvin's on a switch and they just kind of throw it to him when Peyton Pritchard's on him and that's yep. already enough so uh, I you know I'm not a huge Marvin Bagley fan but like this is what happens when you get a jumpy jump guy <laughs> this is what we've been asking <laughs> for for years and, it, yep. and if Marvin Bagley is going to be the jumpy jump guy uh, fine uh, you know, we'll find something better later you if we need it. But like, we that. can 
definitely do worse than Marvin Bagley. We talked about it last week. You didn't give up too much for him. Like there's no there's no downside to this, uh, and that feels pretty darn good. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so we got to talk about the defense quick. You mentioned it. I personally think that he's got to be a five, not because he's better as, as a yeah. five right now. Uh, Sacramento largely used him as like a switch big. Uh, I just think if you want to make the most out of Marvin Bagley, uh, it's because you think he can be a five. If you think Marvin Bagley is a four, then you have a non-shooting four uh, that's doing switches, but isn't like he's not an elite switch big. Like he's good enough that like what mm-hmm. what I want to see ideally from Marvin Bagley is I want him to drop for the first like 15, 16 seconds on the clock, and then switch late. Right? That's that's what I think I yeah. want him to do. I want him to drop, take away the first, second, third option, and then when there's seven seconds on the clock and somebody's going to put up a shot at three, you know, with three seconds up, I'm fine with Marvin Bagley being the last guy and you just kind of having to scramble around him. That's fine. Right now, he doesn't know how to drop at all. Uh, it's it's <laughs> very bad. Uh, yeah. At Duke, they played a zone almost the entire time he was at Duke. Uh, he's played as the four and as a switch big most of the time. When he has been in Sacramento. Um, mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest uh, player development wins that Detroit has had in Casey's time is that that first season he was here, uh, he really locked Andre Drummond into playing drop defense. He figured that out for Andre in a way that Stan yep. Gundy had not. That has to I happen for forgot about that. That yeah, has to happen right. for, for Marvin Bagley. He has to figure that out because if you're playing him at the four, he's just a guy. And there's no way that Marvin Bagley at the four is more useful to me than than uh, Jeremy Grant. Frankly, I don't think it's more useful to me than Sadiq Bay. Thank you. If he's that's the point I want yes, to hear. If he's at the, if he's at the five, you know now we've got some dynamism. Uh, you can switch a little bit more because he's a little bit switchable. Uh, you know you can you can punish uh, slower footed guys like he gives you versatility. I don't think he I want him ever basically as a starter. I don't think there's a world because he's not a starting level five to me, uh, and he's not like there's just going to be better options at the four. If you can make him a rotational five, that's good. Now, that conflicts a little bit with my opinions on Isaiah Stewart, but we're also yep. probably three years away from those opinions mattering, so that's fine. <laughs> like uh, having too many rotational fives is not a bad thing if that's what you can get Marvin Bagley to be. Uh, mm-hmm. Marvin Bagley playing the five right now is going to have growing pains. There's no question. Uh, like I said, steam is all growing. Pains, he, <laughs> he literally does not know how to drop. Uh, he doesn't know the right level to drop to. Uh, he doesn't know how to position his feet. Uh, there's all sorts of like low hanging fruit. Like there was a play. I think it was Grant Williams uh, last night where Grant catches it in the corner and drives and Marvin slides his feet really well Uh uh, they, he forces the middle drive. Uh, he's got his hands up, and then right when Grant Williams starts to like hook up the just like a bad shot, he's taking a bad shot. Uh, for the most part, Marvin's already won this, and Marvin brings mm-hmm. his hands down because he's like trying to like. F- and, and this is a processing issue as much as it is just like a fundamental mechanical issue. Um, guys think, oh, I need to attack the ball, and it's like just fundamentals. Keep your hands up. Finish the play with your hands up, uh, you know, hands up, turn around, your hands are already up, get the rebound. That's that's fundamentally what you got to do. It's how you got to think 
he's never had that kind of processing. That's the kind of stuff mm-hmm. you really got to see from him is the ability to not just like make the flash play, but close out plays every play. Um, and it's it's the big. And it's gamble. funny you mention that because I've seen. <laughs> I had a note from the Celtics game for Stewart for a very similar but different version of that, which is where they had. There's one play I think it was in the second quarter where Derek White, uh, he got missed. He got switched on to Derek White. White drove past him. He's in great position. Hands are up right there, and then he like jumps on top of him. It's like just yeah, relax. Yep. You're in good position. I'm pretty sure I tweeted. I'm pretty exactly sure I clipped that and tweeted that that exact clip. Uh, that drove me insane. I'm like, you are you got you did the hard work. You stuck with them. It's you stuck with so the common man. for young bigs. Uh, don't bail them out. And it's it's a thing that it's one of Stewart's biggest weaknesses is he feels small. Uh, mm-hmm. He thinks he's too small to just like tower over he's these guys. Times, probably. And he has to stay down, trust his length. Um, yeah, he gets a lot of those fouls. They're not good fouls. Um, you know, it's it's young guy stuff. Hopefully that he learns that. Um, yep. Now we got to talk about what they actually ran for Marvin Bagley a little bit. We saw him a lot with Kelly Olynyk, um, which makes sense because Kelly can cover him a little bit at the five. Kelly can do a little bit at the four. But most importantly, offensively, you can see them, uh, you can see Kelly popping and him rolling in kind of like stagger situations. They should fit very well. That's mostly what they did was use Kelly as a shooter and screener and roll Marvin around that. They had some really good play designs around it. They also had like four different plays where Kelly rolled and Marvin popped, (laughs) including at least two out-of-bounds plays where, like, you get to pick. Like, it's one thing when, like, they set up in a horn set and, you know, somebody goes left instead of right and, you know, you get the twist wrong. What? Fine. You, you're never going to run. You're not going to execute everything perfectly every time. I get that. Uh, it's an out-of-bounds play. <laughs> you set this up. <laughs> this is a scripted play. You have 15, <laughs> 20 seconds to get this set Why are we popping Marvin Bagley uh, I believe that the play you were talking about where Marvin took like a, a bad, janky fade uh, was one of these where it was just like, Kelly rolled to the rim and Marvin popped. and Because uh, I, I think they set up the <laughs> kind of loop play, the loop DHO for uh, for Killian where he, go, where he does like a UCLA cut down one side of the lane, loops back up and takes a DHO from the other side. Uh, it's, it's one of his pet plays they run for him. And... They had Marvin as the first, uh, the first screener, which is usually the popper, and the second screener is usually the roller. It's just like if you flip this, and Kelly gets the look Marvin got, that's a great look for Kelly. And if they cover mm-hmm. that look, it's gonna give Marvin a lob, which is a great look for Marvin. But you, you didn't flip them, and now Marvin is your twenty-four percent three-point shooting big. That's around the arc. That's bad. So. They got to fix that. Um, otherwise, I think I think largely I've been okay with what they're doing with him, uh, offensively at least. A, a lot of dunker spot mm-hmm. stuff. Um, yeah, offensively I've liked it. I, I've been fine with it. I think guys are looking for him pretty aggressively. We talked about that. Defensively, they haven't done anything different with him. Um, they're not running straight drop. They're doing a lot of switching, a lot of soft switching. It's bad. 
the soft switching just in general is a plague. We've talked about this. Uh, just yep. just generally, right? A lot of teams right now are running what I what I just call three man actions, where one guy screens, then another guy screens, and somebody else has the ball. You got three people directly involved in the play, and the Pistons' default is to drop under everything and switch everything above it, except they always end up with the big man. Because they never switch things correctly. They never, they're, they're, nobody is good enough at this to understand and anticipate the screens. So they, every single time, end up with a big on a small. If you're ending up with a mismatch every single time you do this, your defense scheme is bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they got it. They gotta figure that out. It's killing them. It is the main reason. Uh, well, that and the fact that they still suck at transition D. It is the main reason they don't have a good defense right now. Um, yeah, that's been something we've harped on the entire year yeah. from the start. <laughs> what is your like thoughts long-term? What do you want to see out of Bagley? Uh, we talked about him as, as like being a five. Mm-hmm. Are you thinking that like you need to see him be a shooter long-term? What, what do you think that Bagley has to be? I don't think you need... I don't think you need for him to be a shooter per se. Like I think, I think there's still room in the NBA for as long as you're the five, the as you call it, jumpy jump guy, who just rolls to the rim and is just a havoc, like wreaks havoc on the offensive end. The thing that you need to see him improve on is defensively, which we've already talked about in length. My hot take that I don't think you're going to particularly agree with is that between Bagley, if we can get him on a decent contract. And Killian, I think between the two of them, one of those two is going to be a long-term starter on the Pistons. I think the talent for them is both there. It's just a matter of who can put it together. And I don't think both of them will. I hope one of them can. Uh, That's my very random take on Marvin Bagley and also Killian. So so what does Marvin have to do then to become a long-term starter? I think you just got to get locked in defensively. Okay. That's... You, you say locked in defensively, but like at a granular level, what does he have to improve on to get that? Like, what level of defense does he have to be? Does he have to be like he, a he legitimate? Doesn't have to be Rudy Gobert, Giannis. Like, he doesn't have to be like all defense player of the year, but he needs to be able to switch on to anyone. He needs to be able to be in the right spot, get kind of the kind of the NBA smarts level um, defense down, and just know when to. You know, well, when to help okay, on like, to a guy at the rim. Like, Christian Wood level defense, right? Like, a guy who's schematically all over the place, but, like, has good recovery uh, stuff. Exactly. I don't see that I think as he needs being to be a little, starter level. I think he needs to be... I think he needs to be better than a Christian Wood level, but in that same vein of what he can do defensively. And are you seeing him where, as being a drop guy, or are you seeing him as being... Uh, he's doing just enough in the drop, and you're like mainly thinking he's better as a switch pick. I think I could see it both ways in that. I think he has the athleticism to be a switch big, and we saw that a little bit in Sacramento. So if he can continue that, I like I don't. If he gets switched onto a smaller guy, I don't. I don't foresee him like just getting absolutely driven by the same way you would some of the other centers in the NBA, but. As with, I think, all big men in the NBA, being that, like, switch guy is not 
it's not always great. It's <laughs> it it is a bad spot to be in if you're the big switched on to the point guard. Well, I mean, there's there's teams game. where like, you know, your warriors are obvious. Um, but even someone yeah, like but they don't have any big men. Like Draymond is six seven and can move with anyone. Draymond's a unicorn. But there. like Draymond isn't better equipped than Marvin Bagley to be that guy. Well, no. You know, he it's all not if it's you're looking at just sort of the athleticism, but that stuff. yeah. And Draymond is one of the smartest players in the NBA right, right. now. Right. So, like, but the, my, and it's not even close. My, or, or someone like, uh, um, and I don't think you can Bam teach with Draymond. Or, you know, like, I don't think you can teach. I think Bam would be a more accurate comparison, but Draymond specifically. If we can talk about him for a second, like, you can't teach what he does. No, he understands the game at a level that. Very few people ever have and ever will. No, but that, the way that's that my, he that's has my point overcome here. his limitations in athleticism. Because uh, you can't you can't teach for, for my money. Draymond is the best defender the league's had since the defensive rules changed. And if you want to put him in mm-hmm. the conversation for basically anyone, I'm fine with it. Uh, yeah, I think the only person that even contends with him is Giannis, and that's because Giannis is. A seven-foot point guard uh, that can do Dr- anything. Draymond is there. An it's, like, it's like it's Bill Russell, and it's yeah. Tim Duncan, and it's Hakeem, and uh, like even guys like like Ben Wallace is, is there and Matumbo is there, but like those guys are like accomplished players, and they're and yeah. like this is this is not to like this is not to to say that they were worse than, Dr- but like what Draymond does at an intellectual level is so far beyond what any other defender has ever done that it's like it's not worth having a conversation about. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's a better defender than Bill Russell. or Like, you yeah. know, but it's just like when we talk about, and, and I bring this up because, like, the whole point is Marvin Bagley doesn't process defense well. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like... If he's a switch big... Being in Sacramento for three and a half years will do that too. But he was not good at Duke either. Like, Duke ran his own entirely because Marvin Bagley was incapable of playing defense. So when we say he's going to be a starter, he has to figure out either A, uh, when and how to switch to be... and And then fundamentally get better at being a switch. But, like, knowing when to switch is a big deal. He has to either A, mm-hmm. start processing that side of, of switching better, and then B, uh, or, or like A part two, uh, as a team, <laughs> if you're going to be a switch team, uh, the Pistons are are fairly well equipped in that like Sadiq Bey is very switchable, are, Kane's yeah. very switchable, Killian is extremely switchable Kane for guard. For it. Yeah, like, that's, that's good, yeah. but like you just have to understand, if, if Marvin Bagley is going to be your starting center and that's the route he takes progression-wise to get there... You have to continue building your team around. The rest of it has to be switchable. You can't just well, what pick I, a switchable. I think center. at this point the Pistons have made it pretty clear that one of the visions that Troy has is switchable players from top to bottom. Maybe, like maybe he's got a lot it, it, of. But like, look at Jeremy Grant. You have look, to, at, look at all of his. It, it. I don't disagree, but the point is you have to spend the next three years doing that. Yeah, and so like mm-hmm. it's it's not just like oh we brought in Robert Covington to help us be more switchable. 
Like, that's the mistake yeah. everyone makes, is they're like, ah, we're going to be a Switch D. Uh, we're Portland. We'll just bring in Robert Covington. Yep, that's uh, no, that's not how that works, right? You have to spend a sustained... You can't make Dame a switchable player. Right, it's, you have to be, take the Milwaukee route and spend a sustained amount of time building a switchable team, uh, you know, or, like, you have to be like Orlando. That being said, though, real quick, the Clippers, when they're all healthy... Insanity. Like Kawhi, Batum, Groco, Paul George... Ha! I love it. In- insanity. Uh, but again, a team that's like very intentionally switchable. Uh, mm-hmm. With still Zubach there to like anchor this team and give them that option when they need it. That's a very well-constructed, well-designed team. They got very lucky yep. in the fact that Kawhi, you know, set them up for this. Uh, <laughs> the Kawhi wanted to go to L.A. <laughs> and, and like, I mentioned that because you can't count on that as Detroit, right? You can't count on that no, being a team, can't. a function of your team building process. But if you're going to say that we're going to build around a switch big, you have to continuously do that. Now, if he's going to be a drop big, uh, you got different options. But, like, again, he has never understood drop. So, like, this is a long processing question. So, like, it's fine if you say that, like, you see Marvin Bagley being the center of the future. If you see it because of how he switches, just understand that, A, he has to, like, prove that out. B, you have to keep building around that. Drop is easier from a team building perspective, at least until you get to, like, extremely granularly how you're going to win playoff games because uh, the drop becomes much less of a, of a like catch-all in the playoffs. But, like, you have See, to start... Jazz Orlando. Exactly. Or Jazz Utah. Uh, <laughs> I'm all over the place today. It's fine. Uh, but you also have to, like... it's that Teaching drop defense is so hard because it's a game of inches and, like, you and I watching on TV... If you don't understand, if you don't know exactly what they're schematically asking him to do, like it's really hard even for me to analyze drop stuff, uh, mm-hmm. and you just have to kind of guess. And like, some guys just never get it, and they're just like, "I'm Anna's Cantor. Yep. I'm very big. Look at me, noodle arm up here. I'm very big, and I've been roasted, toasted, and put on bread or something." Like it's it's, and that's why he is no longer the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so like. When he's coming off the bench, when Mar- when Bagley comes off the bench, like, we don't care as much. It's only, you know, 16 minutes. Uh, you can pair him with someone else. Like, if he's your starter, you just have to, like, you have to think about it as he is starting. I guess the other thing is if Marvin Bagley learns to shoot, he can start at the four. Uh, you're, lose- you're still, like, the switch stuff defensively is still a negative, but, like, that might be the pathway uh, is... is he remains a, just an objectively bad defender, but he becomes a 38% shooter from three and you can like do stuff and maybe you find a, a like a Miles Turner type or something to to kind of balance the scales there as, as your center. But um, like you say, mm-hmm. which one's the easier, like which one starts or whatever. Like I think it's just so much easier to see that being Killian because like I know Killian sucks right now, but like, He's already doing stuff defensively that, like, that works in the playoffs. There's He still has a lot of defensive flaws that we kind of, like, gloss over because they're not... They're just, like, rookie stuff, which you expect. Like, he's not a great off-ball defender. He's in a, he's He overcommits off-ball a lot. But, like, for Killian, like, you fix his feet, the shot comes back, suddenly all these options open up for him, and I see him easily being a starter again. Now that's like still it's like a big if it's a really big if but it's also like one granular skill 
that unlocks this huge package for him to work with. Whereas Marvin Bagley, it's like, this is not a very granular skill. It's a very hard to define thing with a lot of pathways. Killian Hayes is like, just fucking keep your feet still. Stop moving your goddamn mm-hmm. feet when you shoot. You'll be fine. <laughs> like, it's, it's, and that's a huge difference, even though, like, everyone is going to tell you that Marvin Bagley is a better player right now. But the pathway to being, <laughs> and, they're, and they're not wrong, and the, but the pathway to being a valid player He's in the playoffs. The a lot more time. <laughs> true. But the, the, the pathway to being a valid player in the playoffs for Marvin is much further away than it is for Killian because those skills are mm-hmm. much harder to, to grasp and develop than they are for, for Killian. And that's why there's so few big men that really excel in today's NBA in the playoffs. Like, it's it's a guard and forward dominated league right and now. So. I, I don't think that's fair. I think there's actually a lot of bigs that are m- much better in the playoffs than they get credit for. They're just not bigs that, like, they're not stars. They're not the main center case, yeah, uh, besides Jokic. And, and it's just like, and, and I'm trying well. to think of, the of, but like, Zubac is even a good name. Like, nobody's like, oh, Ivica Zubac is, is, like, one of the best. But, but like, uh, when you're not playing the Mavericks and he's not getting, like, picked on by Luka Doncic, like, Luka takes that matchup personally. I don't know what I don't know what Ivica <laughs> did to him, but Luka looks at him and it's like, you, <laughs> you need to die. Where is, uh, where is Zubac from? Uh, Croatia? Well, that could be a... There, there could be Croatian? some, like... Balkan warfare stuff going on. He is here. Croatian. Okay. Uh, I don't know what it is. No, no, I'm not. I'm not spreading any rumors. But like, that's personal for Luca. Um, but like, that's the kind of thing where isn't, like, if each Zubac is like, is just a, Slovenia and Croatia like a big. Isn't that no a idea? Cold War something or another. I don't know. I, I stay out. I don't know. Enough I stay about out of the Balkans. Politics. It's one. It's one of the lessons. <laughs> one of the history lessons. Stay out of the Balkans. Um, and stay out of all the Russian. Uh, uh, the the USSR uh, castoffs and and splitaways, stay out of all of it. <laughs> stay stay coastal, baby. That's that's what we're doing. Uh, but like Zubac is a good example of like if you can run a drop scheme, Zubac is very good at running a drop scheme, and he's not. It's not glorious. It's not fancy. It's not pretty. Uh, and like if you talk to somebody who doesn't really understand what that defensive scheme looks like. It's really hard to tell him what to, to say, this is what he's doing better than Isaiah Stewart. This is what he's doing better than Marvin Bagley. You know, here's how we grade each of these guys going forward. But he's actually a very good drop defender. And like, that's just, uh, you know, and it's a game of inches and, and extremely small timings. And, and that's why this is so hard to pin down. You set me in a wormhole down Wikipedia, but <laughs> Croatia and Slovenia do share a border, and there have been border disputes. Oh. I don't see any major things, but they're disputing, like, fishing territory and stuff like that. Luca's think, got maybe, a, but still. You think Luca's got a townhouse <laughs> somewhere in Alsace and Lorraine? Hey. That's, that's, uh... <laughs> maybe Zubac fucked Luca's girl or something, or this is... They played in, like, a youth tournament or something. Who knows? Who knows? You, you heard the rumor here first. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. I don't want any part of this. All right. Do you have any last-minute thoughts oh. about uh, what we've seen from Marvin Bagley so far? Nope. I think we have talked it to death, considering he's only played, I think, 40 minutes. Hey, so. it's a lot of minutes. I have not played 40 minutes in the NBA. Have you? <laughs> I might have. In a dream or something. I don't know. <laughs> Put more than that in 2K, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All right. 
Uh, Next segment. Random quick, because you brought up 2K, I want to say this. I've been playing a lot of 2K recently. Poor guy. Jeremy Grant, his 2K character, is spot on for the dunks. <laughs> he attacks text, he the rim as ferociously in real life as he does in 2K. It is beautiful. So that's one good thing that... Uh, I forget who makes 2K did. One of, one of my favorite things is... Uh... The people on PC, right, who hack 2K, and they, like, make the, like, uh, seven-foot-eight guys who have, like, ten-foot wingspans and stuff, you know, the, like, Slenderman guys, and just knowing mm-hmm. that next year, Victor Wembanyama's coming in the gl- in the in the draft, who is, like, seven-foot-three with, like, an eleven-foot wingspan, and I'm only being slightly superfluous when I say that, like, an eleven-foot wingspan, it's, it's, like, ridiculous, and just, like, his NBA 2K character model is going to like like bend space time. <laughs> like it's That's like Boban. Boban's just OP as hell. Boban I mean, is is weird in in 2K because like he's not big enough. Like 2K doesn't make his character model big enough. You're like this is not They did at times cuz been a I couple years that first was came into league he was a non-stop defensive just lockdown. Who was the was he Turkish? Um I have no mm. idea where you're going with this. I believe he played for the King. Sim? Sim Bilar? Oh, no, you, uh, uh, sick, isn't it? I think or it's Sim. I think it's, I think it's Sim Bilar was his name. Yeah, the... In, but he was, like, in, Indian, in, maybe? Uh, like, seven, he was, like, seven foot four like and, like, 350 up. pounds. And, like, there was yep. the one year where he was on the Kings, and, like, his character model yep. was great. And that was that was back when like if you played the ultimate team you had to get the bronze cards to get like the highest scores. Uh, Didn't play ultimate. Never know this. So like now you don't have to do this, but like ultimate team was like if you want to get the three stars and like move on from this uh, like progression event, uh, like you got downgraded in in how much like credit you got based on the quality of your team. So if you used all good cards you had to, like, really blow everyone out. And it was basically impossible to score enough to pass these challenges. So you had to use, like, silvers and bronzes. And Simbalar was just, like, a 62 overall. But gigantic. Yep. So you just put him <laughs> at center and just dunk on everyone. It was great. Uh, it worked very well. Any last-minute 2K thoughts before we move on? Nope, I think okay. we've talked enough 2K. <laughs> Kate is amazing in 2K, I guess. That's one last thing I have to say. Oh, it's great. He he uh, he has one of those like jump shots that just like works for me. Uh, Cade, mm-hmm. uh, Killian Hayes' last year worked for me. This year it doesn't. And uh, Luka Doncic this year for me was just like Green City, which is great because I love yeah. I fantasy drafting yeah. Luka Doncic and Cade Cunningham because they let you do that, and it's like <laughs> <laughs> that's not fair. <laughs> it's great. Also, I don't know. Two K annoys me. We'll talk about it later. Um, not in the pod. <laughs> All right. Real quick, I put one thing in the want to see segment, and this is all for me. All right, so the the topic here. Okay. I have three things of why is this a thing. Three things that, one that annoys me, one that is like obvious. Why is this a thing? And then one that I'm just I'm kind of curious. So the first thing that annoys the hell out of me when watching the Wizards game. Why the hell are there games on Valentine's Day? You know what would make so much sense for the NBA? To just make Valentine's Day, or that, like, weekend, when the All-Star game is going to be, so everyone has that off. Because guess what? You send the players home with their wives or girlfriends, and they get to have a fun and or questionable time. 
<laughs> you get the arena for the Wizards Pistons game looked absolutely empty. I would have been there if it was any other day of the week, but it had to be the one day that I am have to be somewhere else because I am a good boyfriend. Like, okay, so I have a woman, better question for you, right? A better Valentine's Day. There's very day. few women that want to go to an NBA game on Valentine's Day. Much better question. What is the percentage of NBA arenas that have a mid-game proposal on Valentine's Day? Too many. That's my answer. I don't like, know what it is, but like, it's too many. Like, is it 50% of the arenas? Is it, you know, is it five arenas? Like, I have to imagine that sports arenas on Valentine's Day have, like, 50% more, like, 500% more proposals. Like, I don't know what the number is, but I guarantee there's you there's a correlation and a causation. <laughs> there is definitely a spike, I'm sure, on Valentine's Day for hockey. Hockey especially, I'm sure, in basketball games. By the way, so, don't propose to your SO. At freaking oh yeah uh, sports games, I don't get it. Uh, it makes no sense. Like cheerleaders, we always see the people that the propose one... to cheerleaders, and like that's where she's working, buddy. Like, do you want to get proposed yeah. to at work? I don't. It sounds miserable. The one exception is if it's like the dance team girl and like the halftime like dunk guy. When they both work for the team, <laughs> like okay. That's kind of cool. Whatever. That's, you guys met there. It's just sure such it a weird a thing to be like, oh, I just won a national championship. But like let, regular people. Let me, let me propose to my girlfriend as a player after winning the national championship. Why? Do Are you, you talking want, about the Taylor Rapp one? Do you, well, what? Taylor Rapp, he, the NFL player for the Rams that proposed to his girlfriend for winning Maybe. the Maybe. There's, there's one every single championship <laughs> for every... And it's just like, guys. Well, the problem is no one will ever top the guy from Boise State who had the game-winning touchdown against Oklahoma on the Fiesta Bowl and then proposed to his girlfriend who was a cheerleader. That is the top. You're <laughs> never going to top that. Just We should have ended it after that in like 2008 or whatever. That was it. That was all. You're never going to do better than that. But I'm just like, guys, uh, A, first of all, that will not help you remember your anniversary slash proposal date. You're going to forget it anyway. We know you. Uh, second of all, is that really the like lasting memory you want of your like one personal achievement? Is your relate Like, you know what's really cool? Carving out a day that's special for you and your significant other. That's, like, about you guys as a pair. Mm -hmm. Not your accomplishments. Uh, you asshole. Like, that's just such a bad thing to do for a player. And if you're a regular Joe, just, like, there are events and venues that are romantic. And, um... Yep. Little Caesars Arena so is called Little, Little Caesars Arena. Like, it's not that one. <laughs> All right. Unless you're getting free pizza for a lifetime. Might be worth it. Uh, what was your number two thing? <laughs> Alright. Wait, so, never mind. Two. It's Little Caesars Pizza. I, I retract that. Not worth it. Number two. I would, I'd think about it. I like Little Caesars. Um, number two. Do you want the one that I have for you, or the one that I just want to rant about in general? No, no. Which one do you want to... Pick your, pick your poison. I'll rant about whatever. Right, so I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to rant about this because I know it's something that you have ranted about in the past and agree with. This isn't fair. Why are there people underneath the basket? Jalen Brown nearly sprained his ankle in the Piston Celtics game because there was a TV dude that was like right next to the basket. Where he's designated to be, he's doing his job. Why? Why do we need this camera angle from a full-time camera guy? Like, it's just... It's 2022. We have so many different versions of technology that could just solve this problem. The, cra and the yet crazy we still thing, do right, it, and it puts everyone in danger. Is is 
the like photographers, not the camera guys, the photographers. You know what's cool about a photographer? <laughs> they have freaking lenses. <laughs> and you can take really freaking sweet photos from 10 feet further back. And you can move and do all sorts of cool shit. Because you're a photographer. If you're a camera guy, you got to stay steady and just point your camera in one direction. Because that's your job. You're not allowed to move. Cause you're a camera, cause you're 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 a video guy, for a TV company. You know what I fucking hate? Mid-play cutaways to the goddamn baseline camera. It's the worst yep. camera angle. Nobody wants it. Especially when it's the one from the opposite end, and you're like, I can't see what's happening here. What's happening? There is a camera <laughs> above the rim. That camera <laughs> is tactically valuable. Fine. The replay camera. Below the basket sucks. They go to like the dunk replay, and all you see is some guy's junk as he goes to like dunk on someone yeah. else. It's the worst. And Bally, for the love of Christ, I have spoken to some of Bally's like people behind the scenes in DMs and stuff, because uh, they've DM'd me about like my complaints, and I don't want to get anybody oh, in trouble. God. But like, who's giving you the time of day? And, and none of them are like <laughs> video people. Mistake. They're all they're all ancillary people. Um, but like. And they're like, oh, you know, this is how it works behind the scenes. I know how it works behind the scenes, okay? Uh, this is not me being like, this is an easy job. Being a director or a producer of a sports broadcast yeah. is a ridiculously hard job. It's Live very complicated. insane. It would, like, it, I can multitask pretty well in those kind of scenarios. Blows me away. I, I could not do it. You know what makes that job a lot easier? Not... Cutting to goddamn highlight cameras in the middle of the fucking play. Don't do it. And having a million cameras that no one likes the angle of. They're just useless. The camera staring at the like the face. Not even like not even like the entire like portrait of a guy. Just like the camera is so close that like his face encompasses the entire screen. Like you can't see his hair because the camera's cut off at his forehead. It's so close. Nobody needs that. I don't care if the guy just made the best dunk ever. Zoom out. <laughs> Zoom <laughs> out. And maybe let me watch basketball. You know when you can play that? When you cut to commercial. <laughs> this is drives me insane that we have to keep doing this. Uh, Bally has been terrible about it. By the way, Bally... Uh, heavily uh, related to gambling companies. They're, they've got their hands in a lot of pies. Uh, you know when they really, before. really, really love to give you a close-up instead of an action replay? After a bad foul. Just extremely <laughs> suspicious behavior that we do not get foul replays. Uh, and every single time it's a replay of like a player on the bench. Just like having fun on the bench. Uh, you're not slick, guys. Like I get that there's a mandate to not show fouls and the people who don't want you to show fouls are the people that care that those fouls were called wrong just either they either they don't <sighs> want the league to come under suspicion in which case what the fuck is wrong with you let's fix the game or <laughs> you're part of the problem of game fixing which is absolutely happening uh and it's just a question of how how much the scale is because uh, game fixing has happened in every sport forever and if you don't believe that you're just extremely naive 
Shout out DraftKings. All right, well, that got dark. That took a little longer than I expected. Had an extra 15 minutes of this podcast we did not need. What was, your, th- what was your third one? I gotta know now. Yeah, I got one more. This is, this is my rant. Now. I get to, I co-opted your rant yeah. already. I get a whole rant to myself. Uh, we'll see about that. My last why is, why is Kojo starring? Why is it not Killian or Hami? Why? Answer that to me. Why? Hami hasn't earned it. Like, that's that simple. Uh... I don't think people understand like how frustrated Dwayne Casey is on the sidelines with Hamadou's defense. Uh, he's he's like constantly like face palming when Hamadou does wild shit defensively. Uh, I think Killian like they moved him to the bench because he was having a real tough time, and yeah. I think he's been good enough off the bench. And like I think that I think they're trying to make a decision that's more uh, for his benefit than it is for the teams, maybe. Uh, Kojo is also like playing a little better. I'm not that mad. Kojo's playing good. I'm not. I'm not saying that he's been like an awful starter, but like he's thirty some years old. Like, why are we giving him minutes? I mean, the the secret the is that their like, like minutes haven't really changed. I think they're both at basically splitting the game regardless. Ko- yeah. Kojo's been at like twenty five, and Killian's been at like twenty four the whole season. Uh, it's just more of we're starting with. Kojo, we're finishing with Kojo, and I feel Killian like Killian has finished more had, games, especially, uh, especially even when not he's recently. Not, I don't feel like Kojo was out there definitely for the Wizards game. They've, I think the they've actually as well. finished with three guard stuff a lot. Killian has uh, had uh, several games where he has not played like like overwhelmingly great and still gotten to finish, which is an interesting thing. Where like Dwayne Casey has suddenly decided that like I am allowed to do this if. Uh, if he's coming off the bench. I don't really understand it. Nobody can really explain Dwayne Casey's rotations to me. I've stopped <laughs> trying. Yeah. Uh, he just That's platoons fair. everything and say la vie. I, uh, I guess this is something you could call an adjustment. And uh, so far it's worked out well enough for Killian. That's 99% of what I care about when it comes to this decision. So uh, I will just okay. let it be. I'll accept that. All right, real quick, around the league, I had two interesting little things, tidbits. So DeMar DeRozan becomes the first player in NBA history to score 35 or more points while shooting 50% or better from the field in seven straight games. Wilt, I believe, twice had the record uh, prior to this with six. And then I also found this cool little rhyme um, (laughs) on our NBA that I thought you would enjoy. That is for just us, that no one will see. Well, oh, you sent it to me in a message. <laughs> and now I want you to read it out. In tune. Uh, the problem is, right, okay, so I know the tune, but the first line is not quite correct. Ignore the first line. The first line is what gets it into the tune. Sing after that. Uh, no one's slick as Demar, no one's quick as Demar, no one hits a mid-range off a pick like Demar as a specimen. Yes, he's intimidating. What a baller, Demar! Uh, Shout out to Disney. Well that was really bad, and I'm sorry. I can't sing for that was shit. Better than I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> I was trying to put you on the spot. <laughs> Uh, but shout out to the shout out to my child phenomenal season. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's all that's important. Your childhood. What's the last time you listen? Or you, I would say listen, but I feel like that's pretty recent. You were asking the wrong dude. I saw Beauty and the Beast less than three months ago. 
Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't think it's childhood. I think it's it's, it's still we we will vibe off nostalgia when it's 2060. Thank you. I will still be here, <sighs> still vibing. <laughs> All right. So I had that, and then as well, uh, Josh Giddy joins Oscar Robertson as the only rookies to get three straight triple doubles. This is his fourth on the season, which only Ben Simmons and Luka Doncic have done, which I thought I found kind of funny. The two Australians have that. That's neither here nor there. Um, and oh. he also owns the. I, I was top four I was like really struggling for a second there with two Australians. I was like, Luka Doncic is not Australian, you fucking <laughs> idiot. But like, nope, Josh Giddy is. So my bad. <laughs> Giddy was the one you were confused about. I assume Simmons was the one you were hung up on. No, 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 no. It was definitely. It was definitely. You were like after it was. You were like two Australians. Oh, you uh, Ben Simmons and Luka Doncic. I was like, we have to talk. <laughs> but no, I'm back. I'm back. You're good. <laughs> You caught up. You caught up. Okay. Uh, those That was Around the League. Presented by a sponsor to be named. Okay. You have picked some uh, a player slash players, I guess, for uh, for Prospect of the Week. I Shall was we trying to give this? Jake options. I tried to give Jake options, and he said both. Personally, I think we have already ran over on time. Uh, so I think we should save Jabari Smith for a later date. You said you didn't have a whole lot on Sharp. So let's just go through him. Okay, so we'll do Shaden Sharp real quick then, because the the simple answer is there's not much to talk about for Shaden Sharp, um, and the ba- and the big reason why is he is currently at uh, Kentucky. Uh, he joined them mm-hmm. in January. He yep. uh, reclassified in order to um, uh, potentially join this draft, and mostly in order to get on campus theoretically he can uh, join this draft. Um, you yeah. have to graduate at such and such a time. Um, the, the the secret, and I think we've talked about this quickly on the pod before, is that Sharp mm-hmm. um, will not actually like have that evaluated until he declares. So the NBA yeah. will not investigate things before he declares. So like he has to go through that process in order for us to even know if he's truly eligible. His people think he mm-hmm. is. Um, Kentucky thinks he is, for that matter. Uh, yep. He has been shut down for the season. We will not see Shaden Sharp play this season, according yep. to Calipari. Um, yep, the reason I want to put that, because I believe last week Calipari said, nope, it's not going to happen. He's not going to play this year. And um, that's interesting because they have also said every single person associated with Kentucky, every single member of his family has said the plan is for him to return next season. (laughs) Doubt. (laughs) Well, it's interesting because sharp is like a bona fide top 10 player. And, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the reason for doubt here is that there's very little reason not to play him and get him integrated into the team and, and get some game time under his belt if he's going to come back. Like, your worst case then is that he gets an injury, but then he has all offseason to, to fix it. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, just letting him come off the bench a little bit and learn sets and get some, like, that would be good for him if he's coming back. If he's going into the draft, you absolutely have to preserve his health and everything else, and you don't play him, and they're not playing him. So that, like, yep. leaves a little bit of confusion. Now, maybe he's also just not ready for Kentucky, which totally fair. Like, if, if this is what's gen- what they genuinely feel is best for him, you do it. 
you know, you mm. don't risk the kid's health. You don't risk the kid's safety uh, for anything. Uh, the, he will be making millions in the NBA one way or another. Um, yeah. So, so you, you I preserve mean, that. One of the reasons also I wanted to include him in here and kind of talk about him is because uh, I think, who was the guy that founded Draft Express? That's now what he's Givoni. Um, I saw him talking I mean, both on Twitter Givoni that, and, um, I think it's Gavoni. That name sounds like vaguely Italian and correct. Schmitz. Um, Gavoni is the one that like, dr- like tweets from like the Draft Express account. It's Gavoni and Schmitz and uh, Mike Schmitz are the gotcha. two guys that have been associated with the service forever. But I know that he said earlier this week that NBA teams would be surprised if he's not in the draft. So. I think the expectation is that he will end up in the draft. So, and I mean, if he's going to be a lottery I, pick, I just very want to say this: come back. most of what I have heard from from the people clued in is a that every single person is resoundingly saying he's coming back. Nobody is mm-hmm. leaking anything otherwise. So everyone else is just reading into uh, the stuff we're going to talk about next, and the and what I just yep. mentioned, and that like if he's going, the best thing is for him not to play just to preserve his health. So everyone's just reading into that. Nobody that, like, no zero things have leaked indicating that anyone in his camp thinks that he's coming uh, into the draft. So mm-hmm. uh, that just has to be mentioned. The other thing is, like, the ESPN guys are much more concerned about clicks than they are about analysis at this point. Um, Fair. And, and that sucks. Uh, they're still, like, Gavoni and Schmitz are both, you know, great draft analysts, but like there's been a clear change since they went to ESPN plus in how they talk about p- prospects because before draft express, uh, the business model was based on being right. <laughs> and now <laughs> draft yep. express is based on getting guys to watch, uh, Auburn Kentucky games. So like, mm-hmm. uh, they say some things that just aren't true anymore. Um, and it's largely because those are the games they want to get clicks. And that's just yep. the the long and short of it, and that sucks. Um, so back to Sharp. So yep. the other the other thing that you just so th- what is Sharp? We got to talk about that first. Uh, super dynamic, fluid wing athlete. Uh, if Sharp had played and played well this year, he could have gone first. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything people love about Jaden Ivy, everything people loved about uh, Jalen Green. If he had shown what those guys had shown, he probably goes first overall this year. We we don't know because he hasn't done it. Uh, he's a bit of a late riser, uh, pretty surprisingly. Um, was not like even ranked two years ago, and um, went into the the recent like round of camps and all this stuff the last. Uh, like 18 months and blew up uh, hmm. shot the shit off the ball was finishing at the rim at a high level he's a great athlete he's got great size for a wing he's a good like 6'5 with like a 6'10 wingspan just like prototypical uh, 2 slash 3 size um, I'm not sure how much he uh, like how good he is as a playmaker because again I haven't seen him much more than anybody else has but like <laughs> We are talking about the kind of guy that gets all the crazy hype as a prospect. Like the, this is this yep. is the superstar mold of a prospect is what Shaden Sharp is. So then the question becomes, okay, if this is what he is, and if you're somebody who like actually takes the time to watch his high school film, and the people 
uh, that I've listened to that that have done that. I have not watched more than 15 minutes of film myself. Uh, the people who have done that are like, yeah, this is legit. They all they all really think this is hmm. great tape. How far does he fall in this draft? It's not a great draft. I have I have yeah. five guys that I'm willing to like, absolutely 100% take over Shaden Sharp. And that's that's Bancaro, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Jaden Ivey, and AJ Griffin. Mm-hmm. After that, I it's I, a cluster. It's there's like tw- like 15 guys in the next tier. None of them are what Shaden Sharp is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Not one of them. So <laughs> maybe Shaden Sharp is BJ Boston. Maybe it doesn't click for him. Of course, BJ Boston's playing really well for the Clippers. He's he's really found some things, and that's really great to see for BJ Boston. Maybe he was maybe he was on track to have a terrible season. But if you're the seventh pick, and you pass on Shaden Sharp, and Shaden mm-hmm. Sharp becomes what Jalen Green is supposed to become, if Shaden Sharp yep. becomes Bradley Beal, if Shaden Sharp becomes a top five shooting guard in the league, yep, and you passed on him. What are you doing? To draft, like, uh, what's the, like, Johnny Davis. <laughs> right, and like... Like, that is career-ending right there. It's, it's... And this is why, like, these, like, unknown, like, high-potential guys get picked so high. And it's a it's great... This is NBA... a great uh, uh, evaluation on how the NBA would treat uh, the high school age change. Mm-hmm. Right? He, uh, uh, James Wiseman was not that different from this, right? Yeah. James Wiseman played three even. college games, I think it was, uh, showed all his flaws and all his strengths, and then went and worked out. Yep, and he was the number two overall pick. <laughs> so, like, if you are Shaden Sharp, next year's draft is insane. Okay. Ooh. Next year's draft has uh, uh, Sharif, uh, Sharif Cooper. Um, Scoot Henderson. Uh, Scoot Henderson. Scoot Henderson. Who you will see at In, All-Star uh, Weekend. What's your boy? Uh, what's your boy? When ben- Victor yep. Wembanyama. Uh, yeah. Um, and, like, we talked about Victor, like, Slender Man. Like, if you imagine somebody who took baby Giannis and stretched him another 20%. <laughs> And, like, Victor Wembanyama played against Chet Holmgren and uh, Jaden Ivey and, like, all of the superstars that were on Team USA this summer, the under-23s, and was very clearly the best player in that tournament. He was three years younger than most of the players in that tournament and was very clearly the best. Like, Chet is three years older than Victor. And Victor outplayed him handily. So we are talking about, like, the freakiest of freak shows in, in Victor. Um, yeah. He he is... Uh, basically, as long as he can put on any kind of weight over the next year, and he's working on it, like, I don't think Anthony Davis is as good a prospect. Um, like, this is, this is the kind of... Like, he doesn't have to jump to block everything. There has not been a player in Europe that has basically done anything against him that hasn't blown through him because he's so small. But, like, he is a mind-boggling... But then, okay, uh, you have a guy like Scoot Henderson. Scoot Henderson is currently another 17-year-old 
playing with the G League Ignite. You will see him All-Star Weekend. He's the one of the four guys that was paired. Uh, that's He'll be on uh, one of the, the Rising Stars teams. Scoot Henderson mm-hmm. is like a six foot three guard with like a six foot seven wingspan, six foot eight wingspan, something like that, who's like built like a sh- brick shit house, just like all muscle already. Uh, Scoot Henderson grew up in a like his family just like bought a gym, and he grew up with like sisters, all of whom are elite basketball players. Scoot is awesome. He's the best prospect on the Ignite. He's the best prospect the Ignite have had. Period. Uh, he'll probably go number two in that draft. Uh, Here's the thing I like about Scoot Henderson. I googled his name, and the first thing I found was the Michael Jordan palming two basketballs pick. Yeah, that's how you know someone's good. <laughs> like, Scoot Scoot is every bit as hyped as like uh, uh, Andrew Wiggins, etc. Like, Scoot is awesome. Also, he's currently playing in a professional league, and like already, yeah, half of his games, he's the best player on the team. Um, <laughs> he's 17. Like, I can't ram this home. Most of the people in that league are like. There are multiple people who are 10 years older than him in this league. <laughs> the, like, <laughs> the G League is clearly a level above, um, a, a level above the, uh, the, the, like, uh, colleges and high schools and stuff, right? Uh, the, the mm-hmm. Pistons trot out Luca Garza as a former college player of the year. And, like, that was a little bit of noise because Iowa just pumps stats, but whatever, whatever. Uh, we'll leave Fran McCaffrey out of this for now. Um, I'm gonna say, how's how's Michigan doing right now against Iowa? They're up Score. six. Uh, oh wow! They they're doing all right for for a little bit. Home or away? no? It's away. It's a big game actually. Oh, wow. This is this is one of those yeah. that's going to hopefully cement their tournament position. We'll see. Um, but uh, like the crews tried it out, Saban Lee. Uh, they tried it out, Luca Garza. They tried out uh, Pickett, and they tried out. Like, all these guys are legit. Like, Derek Walton is, like, one of the, mm-hmm. like, ten best guards in the G League. I'm not entirely sure, like, where he ranks. He's he's one of the better ones. I know he's been pr- very productive. But, like, Derek Walton Jr. was an elite college player at the end of his, his yeah. Michigan time. And he's just a dude in the G League. Pretty good dude. A guy Walton is averaging the most assists right now um, in the G League with 10. Right. And Saban Lee is leading in points with 27. Saban Lee's like the best G League player around. But the point is, <laughs> those guys are in the G League, and Scoot Henderson's holding his own. So, that like, this is insane. Then you have the, the Thompson twins, who are, like, two guys who are both, like, uh, uh, um, they're just, like, freak athletes. Neither one of them is overwhelmingly, like, high skill players. They're part of the Overtime Elite Project. Uh, which is another like paid league that actually plays against high schoolers, so they're very hard to yeah. evaluate. Um, but like both of those guys are like Jonathan Kaminga is maybe like a, a good comparison where like they're freak athletes, but we don't really understand how to evaluate them in the context they're in right now. Uh, all these people, Shaden Sharp, like the best case is like he's uh, four through six in that draft, and if he doesn't perform slides down to eight slides down to 10 right there's always gonna be some sophomore who pops yep. like caleb houston comes back to michigan and like figures out figures out and becomes caleb houston and shoots 45 percent from three does caleb houston go above him i don't know like i don't think so but like there's always like nobody last year would have told you that johnny davis was going to be this nobody that wasn't who johnny davis was last year uh mm-hmm. there's always going to be sophomores like that so like Right now, he's like the sixth best. Uh, Shaden Sharp is like the sixth best freshman in his class, and 
that's assuming everything goes right for him. Nobody else crashes too far, but also like no other sophomores or seniors or juniors creep up. Yeah. We're already saying he's going to be like seventh, eighth at worst in this class. Like I don't understand how he slips further. No way around it. So, does anyone? Do any of us have a good quality scout on Shane Sharp? No, I can't really tell people <laughs> granularly what his game is and like how good he's going to be. Well, what I can say is that if he doesn't come out in this year's draft, it's a little crazy because, like... I'm trying to get updated here by watching some of his highlights, and he just walked up and shot a ball from pretty much half court. Yeah. <laughs> After throwing down a dunk. Like, what? <laughs> that, and, and, like, it's high school. So, like, it's so hard yeah. to understand high school and process high school. I do not have a good frame of reference. People who do this professionally are much better at it. Um... If you're pulling up from half court, though, that's not... But, like, we're talking about a guy who has, who has a framework of shooting, a framework of uh, being able to, like, absolutely punish the rim. Great, yep. great finisher at the rim. Like, if he has any kind of baseline of playmaking and defense, oh my God. holy shit. He and had a beautiful crossover, like a Harden S crossover to bunny hop to shoot, and that... Oh, he, he, so like how far From how far two minutes of video. I'm okay. Like if he he joins the draft process this year, how far does his lowest promise have to be for him to stay in the the thing? As long as he's in the as long as he's promised in the lottery, which I do think will be the case, I think he Right. I think he goes and I think he's stuck. We are promising you four years of seven at million dollars. Lowest a year. Gonna be 10. Right? We yeah. are promising you basically a minimum of twenty one to twenty eight million dollars. Uh and, like, yeah, you may not have the notoriety of being the number one guy. Like, maybe you thought you had that. But, like, we're going to give you probably $28 million. And uh, if you come out now. And the thing is. You should take that. Maybe you end up in Portland or Memphis or, like, San Antonio. <laughs> like, you can end up at a pretty good spot being at the end of the lottery and be better in the long run than ending up in... Orlando, or Detroit, or Houston, or Oklahoma City. And by the way, unless you think so. you can be literally, like, the number one guy, it is almost unilaterally better to get your uh, years of experience in early. Exactly. Uh, yep. the, the, get, the, get closer to the big money the sooner be, rather You want to be in yep. that seven-year range and that uh, um, the ten-year range, I think it is, or the demarcations. You want to be in those ranges as early in your life as possible. Uh, so I wish I had more on, on Shaden Sharp for people. I wish I, I wish I had some glorious insight, but like, he's a dude to be excited about a lot of Jalen green where he is flashy. He can, their high school tape is very similar to me. They're going to be explosive and people are going to like watching him play basketball. If he's healthy in the NBA, NBA he's going to be a dunk contest, uh, guy. Like he's, he's pretty freaking awesome. Okay. Okay. We will uh, probably do Jabari we've Smith next week. everything then. together. We are doing Jabari Smith next week. We are doing Jabari Smith next week. Put it week. down, lock it in. Come back for Jabari Smith next week or whenever we record next. Okay. Uh, then hopefully I've gotten this podcast out and you are listening to it on Friday. We'll see how lazy I was. If you ever, if you ever get it. Uh, so I will say let's. we'll hopefully record at the end of next week, maybe after the first game against the Cavs. Okay. All right. You heard it here first. Uh, We'll see you then. See you later. Bye-bye.
Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.